so yeah i'm hopeful it will change again but once you know once this once we have really left this crisis more or less behind us mm. and yeah great are you this is a podcast called walk talk listen an attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Blom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Okay, good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest who will introduce herself. Saskia, please go ahead. Hello, everyone. I'm Saskia Ozendarp, and I'm the executive director of the Micronutrient Forum. Um, And the Micronutrient Forum is a um, global expert organization for micronutrient nutrition that builds consensus and drives collective action with experts and decision makers um, to advance health and, uh, and, and human capital. Um, and we do this by bringing people together in alliances from uh, different um, disciplines and uh, working on uh, collective action to um, promote simple evidence-based solutions that, that we know to eradicate micronutrient uh, deficiencies or micronutrient malnutrition, which are um, deficiencies of essential nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that our bodies only need in very tiny amounts, but that have uh, lifelong implications if you have deficiencies in them. Mm. And it's also called hidden hunger, because I know you're working working for hunger, but this is called hidden hunger, because you don't really immediately see it Mm -hmm. when people are micronutrient deficient, but it will have um, implications for uh, for the health and future. Okay. And and before I I ask you some questions about the more questions about the micronutrient forum. How how did you uh, get involved in this type of work? Yeah, so I got involved. Um, um, I didn't I did my studies in Wageningen in human nutrition, and I was always um, interested in um, in undernutrition and hunger and and working uh, on uh, developing better scientific insights how to combat hunger and malnutrition, and then. Um, I did a PhD in Bangladesh, uh, where we lived and worked for seven years, and we know each other from that time. Um, and that was on zinc. So the supplementation we were supplementing pregnant women with zinc, which is one of the micronutrients, an essential mineral, um, that's known to be important for growth of um, of cells and also for growth of children and uh, and of newborns as well. So um, and then I, you know, I was in the um, I worked in the slums in Dhaka city, and that mm-hmm. really. Uh, I think um, sparked my um, passion to continue to work in this field because there I saw that with um, sometimes, you know, with, with, of course, these people who live there in extreme circumstances and extreme poverty facing many, many challenges, um, there's, no, there's no simple solutions there. But at least if we can make sure that they get the nutrition, that women get the nutrition they mm-hmm. need, during pregnancy, the children get the nutrition they need during early childhood. At least we set them up 
for a little bit better success in life later on. So I think that was the main reason why I decided to continue working in this field. Mm -hmm. And and the, the, the micronutrient forum that you're working for now, um, now where do they work exactly? You know, in all countries or the hardest at Yeah, so, so the micronutrient forum is a, it's a global organization. And the mm -hmm. difference is that we really bring people together. We did, so, uh, so we don't implement programs ourselves mm -hmm. or we don't do research ourselves uh, other than, you know, uh, desktop research. And we mm -hmm. also uh, don't set policies, but we bring uh, stakeholders from research, from uh, programs, from UN, from um, governments that needs to make decisions, from private sector together um, to discuss the science, broader science on micronutrients, sometimes science on nutrition, um, and, and come with um, action plans or joint action plans to drive the science further or to, uh, to come with with solutions that can then be promoted with a common voice. And I, I think um, I might be, it's be, maybe better to, to give you some examples of the work that we do. And one example that comes to mind is that last year when COVID, the COVID crisis started, we did see very soon that, um, we realized very soon on, like in March or, or April last year, that this would have des devastating impacts on nutrition, hunger and malnutrition. Um, because this was a very complex crisis and it was a very global crisis and we, we saw that during lockdowns uh, health services got disrupted or were completely uh, stopped. We also saw that of course food systems were disrupted and food prices went up and the incomes went down and there was this economic crisis that's still ongoing. So that we knew that in order to be able to draw attention to this uh, topic, we had to bring together experts that were able to, to make some pro meaningful projections on what this would mean. And that's when we, um, when we brought experts together that worked in health systems, in food systems, and in uh, economists. And, um, and we, um, uh, this was the Standing Together for Nutrition Consortium, which is still ongoing, which came up with these projections that really were used also by the leaders of the, of the UN agencies to, um, to help raise awareness of this uh, on this topic and i think that's the that's an example of the work that we do no thank thanks for, for the explanation yeah you know saskia what i heard is is um we initially made quite some progress around ending hunger then the last couple of years, you know, it started to increase again. Yeah. Um, and that was further aggravated by COVID as well. How is that with the hidden hunger then? Is that a similar story yeah. or, the, or different? No, it's the same. And actually, um, I think a crisis like COVID was, and, and also climate change is mm -hmm. even uh, more affecting hidden hunger, I think, than, than hunger, hunger overall. Because um, it's important to realize that vitamins and minerals are found in nutritious foods. And, and I think one of the big objectives of, uh, of, of all these uh, efforts to transform food systems is meant to increase the access to healthy diets that are rich in nutritious foods. So these are fruits, vegetables, but also foods from uh, animal source origin, um, meat, dairy, that, uh, that are rich in micronutrients. But these are also the foods that are most vulnerable to shocks. So what we saw happening was that when the, uh, and that's it with any crisis, since the um, COVID crisis was global, we saw that the price, especially of these nutritious foods, went up 
And what households do in such circumstances is that they sacrifice actually on, on these, on these um, more expensive nutritious foods mm -hmm. to allow them to consume sufficient energy. So, you know, the staple foods go up, uh, the consumption of staple foods go up and the consumption of nutritious foods goes down. So those populations that are already vulnerable for uh, having uh, magnitude deficiencies, because we knew that the consumption of nutritious foods even before COVID was not sufficient, and that that that's over about three billion people worldwide cannot afford mm -hmm. uh, sufficient nutritious foods to fulfill their needs. That even uh, became worse uh, due to COVID, and in, and then uh, in addition to that, during certain stages of life, there are interventions that we know are very effective micronutrient interventions that we know are very effective that can help people to to get to get some additional supply so for instance during pregnancy you have a very high need of certain uh, vitamins and minerals so pregnant women are receiving micronutrient supplements during antenatal care uh, young children are receiving in some settings these powders that they can add that mothers can add to porridges or they are receiving high dose vitamin a supplements uh, for the first five years of life. All these programs were, in some, in some regions, were completely stopped. And in others, there was a severe disruption in the coverage. So, so all of this together has made it especially um, uh, uh, an issue for hidden hunger. Um, and having said that, we are unfortunately not able to measure it because, again, that's mm. also not possible to go to the field and do these mm. measurements now. This requires blood samples to really think, to really see what's happening uh, due to COVID. So I think... Um, that's one of the yeah that's one of the concerns now yeah and uh there the estimates that we did see was on the on the um uh, malnutrition stats that statistics that we can measure or that we can pro make projections on is that we really will see a reverse of mm -hmm. a trend that was going in the right direction yeah and that we may lose like up to two decades of progress oh, wow. in hunger and malnutrition due to this crisis and then there's climate change which is the next crisis on the horizon that you know we, we are even only starting to to begin what an impact that will have mm -hmm. on uh, hunger and malnutrition we know that it is reducing climate change in itself can reduce the nutrient co content of food crops um, again we know that people when they get displaced or when there's droughts and uh, that they will be that they will uh, they will get displaced and they will there will be more food insecurity and, and nutrition insecurity so it's um, yeah it will definitely always have an impact on hidden hunger as well. Mm. Wow, and, and what I didn't realize, uh, you know, is what you were saying in terms of research is not going on because or or it's much more complicated because of the pandemic yeah and what i remember yeah yeah what what i remember when i was in indonesia after the the asian economic crisis yeah um, you know it was found out that the urban areas was much more infected than the rural areas because in the rural areas that still had access to eggs you know um yeah so even when the food prices went up they they could cope better uh, but now at this moment we don't know it, it seems right who's, who's yeah. most affected yeah. right yeah yeah so so there's well about there's of course now more and more attempts now to collect information uh through uh, phone surveys for instance um there are there, i mean people are very resilient so there are definitely coping mechanisms ongoing um and we're trying to map to to collect that information now and map mm -hmm. that more 
uh, but with um, but what is not possible at the moment, or what is very you know, especially not in the countries most if affected by COVID, is to do go out and do surveys and uh, measure these children. Uh, so that so so we can we can collect these data now or some data is coming in that can kind of um, strengthen our assumptions. But what is really happening in the field is yet to be seen. Uh, but we but of course what we also always say is what we have done in with this standing together for nutrition is we have delivered projections and we hope of course that they are not destiny right they don't have to be destiny so we hope that mm -hmm. it has indeed led to countries stepping up efforts to prevent this from happening and from um yeah and that communities can be resilient as well i don't yeah no one ever has seen a crisis of this this skill we've learned a lot from um the Asian uh, economic crisis, mm -hmm. from the Ebola crisis, they, they're similar, but they were more local yeah. than this one. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I often try to, to uh, remind uh, the listeners about the 17 sustainable development goals that we, you know, picked as, as, a, as a world. It might not be perfect, but that's what we're trying to aim for. Um, I guess that, you know, your organization specifically targets uh, SDG number two, ending hunger. Yeah. What, what are some of the other SDGs that you try to cover as well? Um, can you explain so, why? I mean, it, yeah. I think it would be you know, nice to, for the listeners to understand, okay, the relationships between yeah. actions and, and what's got issues. Yeah. So we, we always say that um, uh, nutrition is actually foundational to almost all of the development goals, if not all. I can imagine that people think like, okay, well, of course you're kind of promoting nutrition because that's what you work in. But what we do, but it's really, it's really essential for people's futures. And, um, and there's these strong interrelationships with, for instance, poverty. Um, we know, you know, with climate change, et cetera. And I think what we, what is particularly important to realize and, uh, uh, with hidden hunger is that these tiny micronutrients if they lack in early life it will have implications for the child's growth and but also for the cognitive development of a child um, and and that will mean that, that these consequences will be lifelong and will even be transferred to the next generation because these children they grow up and they do less well in school um, and, and then as an adult, they, they come in, in, uh, in, in jobs where they have le lesser income. It will have implications for the GDP of a country 30 mm -hmm. years down the road. And that's the strong link with poverty. Mm -hmm. But it also, uh, we also know that uh, children that were undernourished early in life, they themselves have a higher risk of becoming obese or overweight later in life and uh, of delivering children that are undernourished as well. So that's, you know, so it moves into the next generation we know women empowerment is a is, a, is an sdg mm. to goal it's all uh, we know that you know women uh, now about one third of all women are anemic mm -hmm. largely due to iron deficiency and uh, there's no progress there and we know that it makes them less resilient uh, and less capable even to um, to demand more empowerment so they, there's really this interconnectivity mm. with nutrition being so foundational for achieving all of the other SDG goals. And that's mm -hmm. why we are so passionate to, to improve it. And with micronutrients, we really do know what to do. I mean, we know the mm -hmm. solutions. We mm -hmm. know what, and they're very effective and they're very cost-effective. Um, so I think of, of all the, as compared to other development agendas, this one is solvable. Mm -hmm. And it's solvable in a reasonable time frame. 
but we need, of course, the financial commitments and the political commitments to make it happen. And, and yeah, that nutrition is, is essential for all 17 development goals is something that was said during, you know, last week during the UN uh, Food Systems Summit, right? Yeah. Is, is there, um, yeah, but if, if uh, our listeners were not able to, you know, to participate and listen to, to last week's summit, what are some of the essential messages from your point of view that, that they should know? Tough question. I think... Um... I think, you know, we need to make um, the food systems more resilient so that they can, can cope with similar, similar uh, situations or similar pandemics in future or some similar shocks in future. We need to make them more sustainable. I think there's no doubt uh, mm-hmm. that, that that needs to happen. It's all, about, it's all about the food system should be able to nourish people, not only to feed them, but to really nourish them so that mm-hmm. they are able to cope with you know to, that they are fit for the future and mm. that they and that children can live up to their their potential um, so that was one i think another one was that um, we tend to think a lot in silos and it's and that's not how people that live on the ground face the challenges in life they we need to think more in in, in working together in integrating solutions in working you know, for instance, this was about food systems, but there was a strong message going out to the the community. We need to also uh, work together with people working in health system and to and to um, and people working in uh, uh, environment to to really uh, make sure that solutions are integrated and are uh, can be skilled. And I think that was, um, yeah, I think those were for me two two of the most important messages. Mm. I think the summit itself was um, a, a first heroic of, uh, attempt to bring people together from the different and be, be inclusive. There were lots of hurdles along the way. And I think lots of discussions have been ongoing also in preparation for the summit about mm. groups that felt left out or about uh, groups that they felt had too much influence over the summit. And I think these are all important lessons that we should um, you know, take into account when we move forward. But I do. I hope that it doesn't distract from the main message of the summit that we really need to invest in these food systems now, uh, in order to uh, turn the tide. Yes, Saskia. One of the underlying um, thoughts of, of of this podcast is um, everybody's perspective is true but partial, and you know, for me that means that. Um, you know, you should always try to search for, you know, where you can start talking with the others. And it starts yeah. with listening. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, you need to solve it together. You know, the, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so hopefully that, that's, that's great to hear that during the summit, there were attempts to, to make, even though it might not have been perfect. No. And I think, I think that's, um, that's good to admit, but I think, you know, we, we, we cannot really, further polarize debates and we cannot really further hide behind ideologies we really have to step up and and uh, and, and you know go beyond our own shadow as i i used to say it mm. and i think that's a lot to large part that's also fitting that's fitting me personally but that's fitting also i think in the mandate of uh, of what the micronutrients forum tries to achieve it's not mm. always easy because you don't speak 
each other's language. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yes, there is a lot of trust building that is required. But, so, but I think in For Better or For Worse, this Food Systems Summit was a first, yeah, it was a good first effort to, to move into that direction. Right. Hey, I know you, you are a runner. Well, I'm, I'm a walker. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, this, this uh, podcast is a spin-off of a 100-mile walk that I've been doing for the almost the last 10 years. Um, and then I walk to raise awareness and funds for, uh, you know, hunger, poverty, and, and uh, injustice. If you would be asked to walk 100 miles, so 15 to 20 miles uh, per day, um, yeah, what is the cause that you would walk for? Yeah, I think the same mm. as you. I actually have been thinking about that to have a, uh, because I do run, but I never really run for a good cause. So, you know, I just run mm -hmm. because I distract myself. And I thought like, maybe I, I need that this year. Maybe I should do that. Yeah. Then, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging people because it, I'm, I'm cele celebrating my 10th anniversary. So I ask people to walk 100 miles in a month. And then, uh, you know, and, and also be part of, of, of my campaign, or at least, you know, send a tweet while you're doing that in a month. So um, yeah. using the hashtag so that more people, um, you know, are this aware the of this October, issue. Right? The month of October, yeah, yeah. Uh, I end on, on the 17th, and that's World Food Day. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and I start on uh, International uh, Indigenous People Day. So for me, those are two important ones. Uh, um, yeah, that I try to lift up and talk yeah. about with well, my co-workers. Co co yeah, I don't want to put it on record yet. <laughs> <laughs> I have a goal in mind on, uh, in October. That, uh, yeah, my, that's a little later, but mm -hmm. it might be nice to uh, combine Great. it, actually. Great. Um, you know, when I walk with with uh, with other people, um, you know, who accompany me sometimes for a mile, sometimes for you know five, ten, fifteen, um, yeah, we talk about life, and and uh, yeah, when you walk, you, you you might have this as well when you run, you think about what's the purpose of life, and um, yeah, you know, what drives you in life, Saskia? Yeah. What, when you, when when the your alarm goes off in the morning. What yeah. makes it that you decide to wake up and go for it? Yeah, I think what really what really drives me in the end of the day is um, that you can you can have impact. Oftentimes you don't think so. I always say if uh, I've met, of course, many people and women and and children in in their circumstances throughout my career, and a couple of them that stay with you forever. You never will forget them, right? You even you know even if it's like 30 years ago or so, 25 years ago, mm -hmm. you still remember them. And you know, at that moment in time, you feel sometimes helpless because you cannot really help that one individual. But, but um, to give you an example, I, I explained to you about these projections that we did for Stand Together for Nutrition. And I've seen now that these projections were, were literally mentioned by Melinda Gates uh, last week in um, uh, when she when she explained the, com the new commitments of the Gates Foundation 
Um, and they were used all over it by USAID that led to Samantha Power writing this commitment that Biden did as well for uh, five, you know, 10 billion US dollars in investing in, in hunger and, uh, and food security and attrition. So, so you know, if, if that can help to change the life even of a couple of children, but I hope of many more, that's what drives me. It's ridiculous that children still are dying something that is so simple to prevent mm. and or and if they don't die that it will kind of affect them throughout their entire lives and we know what to do to prevent it so Pascal, very often we also then talk about you know religion spirituality and uh, about the younger generation and and then some of my co-workers say you know the younger generation looks differently at religion and spirituality and, and they you know they don't go to church anymore like the old old generation others say uh, they might not go to church, but that doesn't mean that they are, you know, looking differently at, at life. So in your environment, you know, in your community, what, what do you see happening um, among the younger generation and religion and spirituality? Um, that's a tough question because I'm from the Netherlands and I think it's one of the most uh, secular countries. I think it's the largest percentage of people that don't feel they belong to a certain religion anymore mm -hmm. um, but I must say that I'm also you know when I look at the younger generation the generation of our children I'm I'm still very optimistic because what I do see is even if they don't go to church anymore they do much more than we did perhaps um, embrace Christian values. They do care a lot about their environment and the future of the planet. They do care a lot about um, the fact, you know, that there is this incredible inequity in the world, and um, and they also are, you know, making choices to, uh, for instance, travel less when it comes to climate change. Rather than going to church, mm -hmm. they do live up to these values that mm -hmm. uh, that are uh, founded in. Uh, in, in religion. So, yeah, I think mm. that's uh, what I do see happening here and what I actually um, make, makes me very optimistic for the uh, future. Great. And, and does your organization have special initiatives targeting younger generation as well? Um, no, but I think not, mm. not, not necessarily because we do bring younger people together mm -hmm. with others. And for instance, we have uh, one of the... Uh, one of the uh, the activities that we are most known for is that mm -hmm. we have this conference, the Microbiome Forum conference, yeah. that last year went and was entirely virtual. And that, of course, attracts a lot of young people that are looking for knowledge from all over the world. And uh, But I do think um, that, yeah, we need to engage, you know, we need, we need to maybe more, do that more, bring them around the table, asking for, you know, for their... Um, solutions and objectives but yeah that's a good uh, good point mm. the organization that i work for celebrates 75 years uh, of existence wow. um, and you know that's also a time where we reflect on how did we do um, and, and one of the big topics uh, is, you know, how did we do around racial justice? 
and um, you know if we didn't do well you know what we should should we do better uh, for the future if you look at, at the NGO sector as a whole um, yeah what, what are your thoughts in terms of uh, and I, I know I totally realize it's difficult to uh, generalize but I'm asking you to do it anyway so at the NGO sector as a whole how, how do you think it did and how it is doing around racial justice issues well I think in general what we are now very uh, aware of and what we are actively working towards is that um, it's been it's, it's very strange and, and unacceptable actually that the all these organizations that work for women and children and, and, and families in low income countries are mostly uh, led by, uh, by white men from high income countries. And I think um, that means that um, that's something that we want to actively change. Because first of all, there is an incredible amount of talent, of course, in low and, and, and income and low and middle income countries. Mm -hmm. And second, it's uh, just unacceptable that you think about solutions that affect the lives of women in low income countries, and you don't have anyone in the organization, or you hardly have anyone in the organization who mm -hmm. really understands um, the context. And I think, um, yeah, that, that's and that's through all layers of NGOs. You do see that actually basically everywhere. I mean, look at the lineup of speakers last week at the summit. It's it's still highly dominated by people from high income uh, countries and 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 highly dominated by by white uh, people and and to be honest, also by white male of a, of a certain above a certain age. So I think um, that that. Um, that is in the NGO world something that really needs to uh, change, but but it is changing as well. I mean, partly uh, driven by uh, by pol policies and partly driven by awareness that this mm -hmm. is absolutely uh, not how we should uh, how we should continue. So that mm -hmm. that is, I think, I'm not sure if that was an answer to your question. No, but no, that's yeah. a, no, it's, it's very insightful. Very yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's yeah. something that my organization is looking at now. Um, you know, doing an assessment, and, and very often you have certain blind spots, right? And it's important yeah. to, to identify. Yeah, I mean, those. you always tend to recruit people, for instance, that look a lot like yourself, right? Mm. Not only in terms of backgrounds, mm. and I think that's uh, that's a risk, and so you really have to uh, to be very much aware of that. And then, yeah, we also have uh, mm. scope for improvement. To be led by a woman, <laughs> but not one from a, uh, a low-income country. Um, so yeah, no, we 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 should be um, we we are also now constantly aware of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, to uh, to work uh, more on that goal, be aware that it may take that it may take some time, and that you know there's there's steps to be taken, but it's definitely mm -hmm. something that we're working on. Yeah, something totally different, Saskia, is, you know, music is very important to me, so I always ask a music question as well. Um, if I would ask you to mention a song or a piece of music that embodies for a big part what you are about, which song or piece of music would that be? We all live together, perhaps. It's an old song, but it's the, is, is it by Paul McCartney? Isn't it Paul McCartney? We all live together. Oh, could be, yeah. I to, something I've, I, may, uh, I may have to come back to this question later on, but uh, 
because I know that tonight there will be a different song mm-hmm. in my head. And and, but why? Of let us talk about uh, we all live together. Why? Why did that? Does that song pop well, up now? It's not, yeah, it's not that I have that song in my mind every day, but it's, I think that's really what my work, and at mm-hmm. least that we cannot do this alone. So we have to work together, and we mm-hmm. have to, uh, as, I, as I said before, we have to overcome our our challenges, our prejudices, and 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 um, team up together to make uh, to achieve the goals that we um, that we are striving for. Yeah, I heard I heard you, uh, you know, share with us quite some issues that we need to pay attention to. And I, I um, but, you know, what do you worry about most? Yeah, what I worry about most is that um, at the moment, um, the the COVID crisis has really let, has really made most countries be very internally focused again. And uh, yeah. Uh, governments have uh, had to spend millions and billions of dollars to invest in their own economies. People lost jobs. Um, people are very, very um, engaged in the political debate about how to best end the COVID crisis in his or her country, and that there is very little attention to the broader um, global topics, uh, attention, political attention, mm-hmm. uh, attention among the public, but also funding or available. And we, we actually, as part of the work that we that I taught you about, we, were, we have been doing also projections on what will happen with uh, ODA, so the development mm-hmm. funds, because mm-hmm. we know that they are coupled on uh, to the GDPs of countries. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if, not, if there's no active um push to change it if nothing will happen just because the economies of countries have been affected we projected that it might take until the end of this decade before they will be turned back to normal levels hmm. and that worries me most that you do see again you know okay okay you you have you always and you know in addition to that you have these other global conflicts that take away a lot of attention we had afghanistan of course and I think you uh, you do see then that this tends to fall between the cracks again, mm. um, and and I think that's what worries me most at the moment. Mm. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, and I said this in earlier episodes. It's kind of weird that you would think that this pandemic, you know, made us all realize that we are all interconnected, and yeah. that, you know, you can only solve this problem by yeah. working together. Yeah. But you see a. Uh, more more tribalism going on than anything yeah. else yeah. so uh, i yeah. think i think um you know that happened a bit in the beginning i think that mm-hmm. you know that we were all in this together and that people felt a bit this yeah this is going to really make some major changes mm-hmm. to how we li- live and behave but it's like you know it's lasting for longer and I'm, I'm not really condemning it because of course the when you lose your job or when or when you lose a relative or a loved one mm-hmm. for that matter right on covid or when you work in a hospital here or in, in the US, and you just uh, work day and night to uh, to get through this crisis. I mean, there's 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 lots of issues that people have mm-hmm. on their heads that are in their immediate uh, environment. So, I, but but for, for of politicians, I would have expected mm. them to maybe also to maybe also take that bigger picture into account. And I and and I'm concerned when I hear about what people what they discuss. You know, it's yeah, mm-hmm. straight treaties. Um, there's lots of uh, I don't know hidden animalities that they, mm-hmm. they, they, um, that, that countries uh, discuss among themselves. There's elections 
coming up and there, mm -hmm. you know, so there's lots of other stuff that occupies their minds. Um, and yeah, I am, I'm concerned how that may work out for these bigger global issues that we really can only solve together. So, yeah, but that's I, why I, 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 I still, I, yeah, I still <laughs> hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still hopeful. I'm always hopeful. And where, where do you see, well, you know? Yeah, so I think the summit, yeah. for instance, was an, was an example. You know, mm -hmm. what's hopeful? Uh, we had this concert uh, this uh, weekend that I missed. I didn't know it was there, the, the Global Citizen Live, mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, all these artists were performing in different cities across the globe yeah. uh, for, uh, for more, basically for more equity in property mm -hmm. um, reduction and in vaccine equity. and. So yeah, I'm hopeful it will change again but once you know once this once we have really left this crisis more or less behind us mm. and yeah, great. Are you? Oh yeah, no, I am. I'm, I'm absolutely. I'm. I'm uh, I don't know. I'm. I, I think I'm very optimistic, and especially, yeah. especially um, because of the the remarks that have been made by almost all my guests, and the guests have been, you know. Uh, more senior people and, and younger folks is is uh, about the young generation yeah and their actions and their yeah um consciousness you know yeah so, so yeah. um that's yeah that, that that's where my biggest hope is yeah um, yeah no exactly and, and there's some countries also like look at new zealand for instance i mean mm. they give hope right to uh yeah how no you see what what uh, uh good leadership you know yeah, yeah. Um, why that is important. So, so uh, yeah, that's a very good example. For the listener who is still doubting whether or not to attribute to this goal that you're that you're walking for. Um, I always wonder, you know, I've, I've, I've wondered myself so many times when I saw a woman in a slum or in the Sahel, you know, in a, in a, in a conditions where there was absolutely nothing growing around her and she, and they had a child of two years old. I always, um, I always wonder like this, this could have been me. I could have been born there. Mm. So I would give the message to the people like just for one hour or one half hour, Imagine yourself in those situations that you don't know whether you will have sufficient food available the next day to feed your children with good quality food. And that you know that if you don't, that this will have implications for that child for the rest of his or her life. Um, and I think um, if we do that more often, then I think, you know, you will immediately uh, change and you will immediately donate to your, to your uh, good call. So. Thank you so much, and and yeah, good good luck with everything you you do. I'm very important work. Um, you know, I, as you said, hidden hunger is also really close to, you know, to my heart. You know, the first thousand days of a child are, you know, crucial, right? And yeah. and um, yeah, we we need to ensure that every child has the has the right start, and not only you know a small percentage. So. Uh, yeah, the work that you do is very important and, and uh, I applaud you for it. So uh, thanks a lot. And thanks for yeah, today. Thank yeah, thank you for this discussion and uh, good luck with your walk. Walks. Thank you. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.